welcome to the Chelsea Olson podcast. I am delighted to welcome you to the community for all things leadership, wellness, and creativity. I believe in a world driven by abundance where businesses, humanity, and our planet thrive. It is time to redefine success and start building the world we dream to live in. It starts with you, and it starts here. Welcome back to the third episode in the three-part series, all dedicated to boundaries. In the first couple episodes, we went into a lot of detail about what boundaries are, why we should set them, and when to set them. So the last missing piece to give you a solid breadth of knowledge to move from is how to set boundaries. So today we will be discussing exactly that. How to set boundaries inherently comes down to communication. Now this series is not all-encompassing in the information that I share. It's simply intended to give you the basics so that you have enough to walk away from and to start practicing them in your daily life. And then of course, if you feel called to go deeper, I'm here for you for that. So as we start to dive into communication, it's important to honor this episode by recognizing and just speaking out loud that communication is complex. There are so many pieces that make up one's communication. All the way from your the pitch of your voice, to the volume of your voice, to the positioning of your eyebrows, to your energy body, to the words that you use, rate of speech. It goes on and on and on and on and on. Communication is not simple. So I'm going to do my best today to make the information simple as I break it down into two primary categories when it comes to how to set boundaries, first discussing what to say, and then touching on how to say it. Let's dive in. The first part being, what do I say when it comes to setting boundaries? So before saying anything of difficulty, It's important to know your why. What am I saying and why am I saying it? So boundaries typically exist to teach others how you want to be treated. If you're teaching others how you want to be treated, it's important that you only speak of your own experience. So in a very practical sense, this means eliminate the word you as much as possible rephrase as many things as possible to use the word I because all of our truths are valid, including your own. And to go more deeply, I have to recommend what's called nonviolent communication. Nonviolent communication is an entire methodology on how to communicate difficulty that promotes understanding and compassion and can even diffuse tension, and conflict. You can either take the information I share in today's episode, you can Google information, or you can buy the book. And it even comes with a workbook if you want to work through it in a group or with your partner. And it's simply called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. I'm going to be sharing one key piece from this methodology that I have found to be extremely useful. And it is this four-part formula. Now, the four parts to this formula are observation, feeling, 
need and request. So I'm going to give the example of dishes because I think most people can relate to the frustration of dirty dishes. So for example, let's say my partner leaves his dishes in the sink and I feel frustrated. So I might see the dishes in the sink and immediately go down this road of, oh, he left his dishes in the sink again. He doesn't care about anything that I do. He doesn't appreciate all of the household chores that I do. And because he left his dishes in the sink, that means he doesn't appreciate me. Now I say this, not reflecting any truth about my reality at all. In fact, my husband actually cleaned the whole house last night and I just left my dishes in the sink. (laughs) So um, I feel like I needed to offer that clarity for any listeners and for my husband. One thing that I did in that example is I turned the very first step, which is observation, into what's called interpretation. And this is one of the biggest mistakes we see all the time. Observation is just discussing facts, hard, cold facts. Interpretation is extracting meaning out of facts that are not your own. So I'm interpreting that you don't care about me because you did this thing. And this is where most people get stuck. This is where most people mess up. No, it's not anyone's fault. We didn't know any better, but now we do. So the first step is observation. And it's so, so, so important to recognize the conditioned and trained habit to go from observation into interpretation and to stop yourself in your tracks because your interpretation oftentimes is not correct. So in this example, observation would not be, you don't care about me. It would be when you leave your dishes in the sink. That's it, quite simple. The next part of the formula is feeling. I feel. Now the book goes into quite a bit of detail in of busting the pattern of that makes me feel. Because no one's actions can make you feel anything. It's our own patterns and our own relationship to that stimulus that cause us to feel that. So this is just nitty gritty. But I highly recommend instead of saying, when you leave the dishes in the sink, it makes me feel. And just say, I feel. So when you leave the dishes in the sink, I feel frustrated and disrespected. The third part is need. Because I do so many household chores, I need to feel like what I'm doing is appreciated. And then finally, the request. Would you be willing to put your dishes in the dishwasher? So let's compare the two and see which one feels easier for you to receive. The first one. Ugh. You left your dishes in the sink again. Do you not care about all the things I do around here? Do you not appreciate the fact that I just cleaned the kitchen and cleaned the bathroom? You know what? Never mind. Doesn't matter. I'll do it myself. That versus when you leave your dishes in the sink, I feel disrespected and unappreciated. Because I do so many of the household chores, I need to feel like you value what I do. So would you be willing to just put your dishes in the dishwasher? One of those is much easier to receive and understand than the other. 
One of those is actually speaking to the reality of what's happening as opposed to your emotional reaction. So one is going to be much more effective than the other. And obviously it is the second example, the example that uses nonviolent communication. So again, those four parts are observation, feeling, need, and request. The two primary mistakes people make are extracting meaning from a fact, so turning observation into interpretation, and using you statements. So again, use I statements as much as possible. Lastly, in using this formula, there is a great resource that I love to use, and you can Google it. It's literally called the feelings wheel. Yes, I know it sounds kind of kitschy and like, what am I in preschool again? But believe it or not, a lot of us are at that developmental stage of emotional understanding and it's not anyone's fault. It's more of a cultural container that we live in that prevents us from deepening that emotional understanding. So if you are just now really diving into what do I feel right now? I've used this so many times. Because when we feel overwhelmed, we feel overstimulated, we feel a lot of feelings, it can be very difficult to put a specific word to how I'm feeling. If someone comes to me and says, I feel dominated and disrespected, that's a lot easier for me to understand than if someone were to come to me and say, I'm annoyed and frustrated. So that feelings wheel is a great tool to really boost the second part of that framework, which is the I feel portion. So nonviolent communication formula, four-part formula, Marshall Rosenberg. You can also Google the formula online. You can also Google the feelings wheel. Use I statements as much as possible, and just be aware of your tendency to bring interpretation to the table. So that is the primary meat of the first part, which is what to say. Now, one controversial belief that I have is that if you cannot summarize what you want to say in bullet points, you're not ready for the conversation. And the reason why I say that is because it is not anyone else's responsibility to be the sounding board for our emotional chaos. It is our responsibility to self-regulate to regulate our emotional chaos, then self-reflect to find the meaning, to find the boundary, to find the need and the request, and then present it to the person in a way that is calm and easy to understand. So if you cannot take your experience and summarize it into these four main points, I highly recommend that you wait Do not have the conversation yet. All right, moving on into how to say it. A lot of this might feel like common sense, and some of this may not. But before we get into the specifics of how, it's important that we understand how we receive communication. Because if we understand the process of receiving what other people are saying, then we can master the process of delivering what we are saying. We gather information through our senses, sound being a primary one of communication, as well as sight. But smell, taste, touch, all of these are a part of our sensory input that help us to understand communication. And we receive that information through the senses, 
which goes directly to what's called the amygdala or the part of the brain that filters and decides, am I under threat or am I not under threat? Am I safe? Am I not safe? And again, social safety is wicked important. This is not something for the weak. This is every human on the planet. So how we say what we say is received before the words itself, because the words are processed in the prefrontal cortex, which is the more recently evolved part of the brain, whereas the amygdala is more in the primal part of the brain. So we receive tone of voice, facial expression, body posture, and interpret that before we interpret the words. This is not a controlled experience. This happens automatically. We were programmed this way. It's most efficient. If I come to you and say, nice dress, that feels differently than nice dress or nice dress. Those are different. They have different meanings. One thing that I find quite interesting that I want to focus a little bit more on in today's episode is tone of voice. About 80% of people speak in what's called a monotone, meaning the melody of their voice only ranges from one to three notes. So a monotone would sound like this. When you leave your dishes in the sink, I feel disrespected and Because I do all the work at home, I need to feel like what I do is more appreciated. And so would you put the dishes in the dishwasher? That feels really different to hear than, hey, you know, when you leave the dishes in the sink, I feel really disrespected. And because I do all this work at home, I need to feel supported and appreciated. So would you be willing to just put your dishes in the dishwasher? I said almost the same words, but the tone of voice is completely different. So this is actually something I learned um, in starting a podcast. Now, granted, when you're being recorded, you have to speak with a little bit more drama in your voice than you do in real life. But to step out of your comfort zone with the melody of your voice and to recognize that, hmm, there are other ranges in which I can express myself. If I talk like this in a monotone voice, that's only going to be received in like really one way and people start to stop listening because it gets really boring, right? So the first step is just to start playing with the melodic range of your voice. Not only is the receiver's amygdala going to assess that as um, safe and more friendly and warm, automatically opening that person's nervous system to hearing what you have to say. But because it signals to that person, okay, we're safe, we can listen, the person usually hears you better. So by simply integrating melody into your voice, you will immediately improve your communication. The second piece of your voice is volume. If you come in and say, hey, when you put the dishes in the sink, I feel frustrated versus Hey, um, when you put the dishes in the sink, I felt frustrated. One has a very different meaning than the other. So just to be aware 
of the tone of your voice. If you tend to shrink and get into that shrinking body when you're setting a boundary or standing up for yourself, practice projecting your voice a bit more. And if you tend to be overstimulating to people, if you tend to lean towards anger or high stress, try simply softening your voice and you'll find that people receive what you have to say better. So those two things, the melody and the volume of your voice will go a long way because again, this is an automatic process. This is an extension of the autonomic nervous system. The brain receives that sensory stimulus and discerns, do I want to open myself to this person or close myself to this person before they even hear the words that come out of your mouth? That's the meat of what I want to offer in regards to how to communicate. Because most of us are aware of body posture, facial expression, a soft smile. Most of us can access that on our own. But the knowledge of how the brain works in communication in regards to the melody and the volume of your voice isn't as commonly known. And this is so, 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 so important because you can bypass so many obstacles by simply playing with the volume and melody of your voice. I highly recommend, if you really want to take insight into action, before you move on with the rest of your day, give yourself 10 to 15 minutes, maybe even five if you're really natural at this, and reflect on where do I need to set a boundary in my life? Referring back to episode two, where am I reactive? Where am I tolerating? And let's write down the boundary together with the observation, the feeling, your need, and your request. Then after you've written it down, take your phone out, turn on your voice notes, and audio record yourself speaking that boundary. And as you're doing it, imagine that person is standing right in front of you. Really bring that imagination to life to trigger as much as you can in the body that would mimic real life experience. And practice saying it out loud. And then listen to it. Notice, how do I feel when I hear that? Am I talking so fast that I can't really hear what I'm saying? Am I talking so slowly I'm losing attention? Do I say um every other word so it indicates I'm really uncertain? Evaluate yourself. Take notes. And then practice. Just keep practicing. And if you take 10 to 15 minutes to do this, I promise you, when you go to set that boundary, you are going to be so much more successful you are going to build confidence because confidence comes from repetition. You are going to build personal power because you set that boundary with success instead of it being a total mess, triggering the other person and then they trigger you and then you say, I just can't do it. It's important that we set ourselves up for success. So if you have to have a hard conversation, prepare. Organize your thoughts. Organize your feelings. Be intentional with your voice because your well-being, their well-being, and your entire relationship may depend on it. So in summary, how to set a boundary, use nonviolent communication and I statements as much as possible, 
And be mindful about that subconscious communication with your voice, your body language, your facial expression, et cetera, et cetera. And finally, practice, prepare. Allow yourself to be imperfect and messy in a safe space. Then treat that relationship with the respect it deserves by showing up prepared for the conversation. Well done, everybody. We have successfully made it through the three-part boundary setting series. And now I want to hear from you. Be sure to rate the podcast. The challenge, if you really want to take this home, is to share. Is to either comment on the podcast or find me on social media and share your four-part formula that you are going to deliver to someone soon. If you're not quite up to the challenge, simply let us know your favorite and biggest takeaway from this three-part boundaries series. As always, may you walk with grace and courage, and we will see you next time.